Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? That's right, folks. We're talking about playoffs. We're diving back in on the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, we will cover the Eagles' win over the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. Take a look around the NFL and college football. We'll get to our spot in the shade call and wrap with our mix and match six-pack of games to watch this weekend. Uh, Don't forget, Thoughts from the Shade, as always, is presented by Menard Premium Detailing, uh, the best detail service in Bucks County. Check them out online at menardpremiumdetailing.com, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube. And you can give them a call at 1-833-2-MENARD. That's one eight three three two Menard. You need protection. You need a coating for the upcoming upcoming winter season. Hit them up. All right, let's do it. talking baseball on episode 64 of thoughts from the shade bomb you gotta believe g gotta believe the phillies are in we've got the red october uh at least for three games coming up this weekend the phillies clinch uh as t-mac said they'll represent the nl as a wild card representative uh, in the national league playoffs they they (laughs) grabbed that last spot uh, on Monday night with three nothing victory over the Houston Astros down in Texas. Uh, sounds like game one uh, will be Friday. Not sure what time. Either going to be the Cardinals or the Mets. Uh, we don't know as a Tuesday night. We'll see how things shake out. Uh, but I just wanted to quickly, you know, we had we had to start with the Phillies. You can't bury the lead. Team clinched a playoff berth. Uh but I, you know, we haven't been in on the fills in terms of you know the podcast and content and stuff. I'm not saying we haven't been in on the fills. Bob's looking at me, but it hasn't been a weekly. When you say we, what do you mean? I'm saying it hasn't been a weekly, you know, segment or or topic. I'm, I'm not saying I was out on the fills. Yeah, it's just tough to it's tough to break down like Connor Brogdon's three relief appearances, like you know, on a weekly show. Yeah, against uh, the, the Cincinnati Reds and the Diamondbacks and the Pirates, you know, it was it's a long, arduous haul of a of an MLB season, but I'm certainly going to enjoy some some playoff action now. Uh, nice to have our own team in it, but in terms of the appearance, um, I, I don't want to break down, you know, the game, the players, how we got here. I want to break down the, the celebration. Uh, Maybe the call on the on the television after I flipped off the end of Monday Night Football just in time for the final out, uh, and and then maybe we can talk a little bit about the Mets and the Cardinals and uh, any anything else. But let's let's hear from Bob's guy T Mac uh, with the final out on Monday Night. Before you drop it, G, I just want to say, folks, just listen hard because. You know, you'll have to listen through the the mouthful of funnel cake and pizza and 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 um, yeah, barbecue sandwiches. So, hopefully, you're able to make out what he says. But go ahead, G, drop it. The three-two pitch. 
Swing and a fly ball. Shallow center field. Coming on is Marsh. Still coming on. Makes the catch. The ball game is over. The drought is over after 11 seasons. The Philadelphia Phillies are going back to the postseason. They'll represent the National League as a wild card representative. <laughs> Dude, I heard that live and I I instantly cracked up, instantly thought of you um but that, that that's t-mac for you i mean what, what did you make of the call um i <clears throat> i actually refused to watch the game yesterday i mean i i guess i'll give some flowers to aaron nola uh the guy has been a bum in september for for how many years and he finally nodded up and gave you a performance when you needed it good for him but i didn't watch the game i was watch. i was more locked in on a Rams and San Fran, but uh, yeah, the call, it came across my um, cell phone from a tweet. Now, somebody sent me a tweet of a, a guy who claims to be a Philadelphia, it's one of the most dis- despicable things, is Kevin Nagandi, he's a temple guy, you know, he's got the temple owl, he's got the, you know, the profile picture with the owl, the girl with the owl, he's always posting that bullshit on temple game days, and he's talking about how great T-Mac is, and what a great call it was, and the build-up, it was one of the worst calls I've ever heard in my life, I mean, what is this, 1950, where if you, if you, uh, if you finish first place in, in the NL or the AL, you represent the entire league. I mean, the way the guy called it, it was like a, it was like a pennant winning game. There's a fucking third wild card. If not for the reconstructed, the new format uh, in the Major League Baseball playoffs, we we wouldn't even be in. But I'm not I'm I'm not trying to uh, to bring down the Phillies by any means. It's it's great to get in. Been a long long decade plus. First appearance in eleven years, but yeah, I thought the call was uh, a little over the top. And then he goes down to his son, who's with Reese Hoskins on the field after the game, and Reese Hoskins was nearly brought to tears by clinching the the sixth and final spot in the NL playoffs. And he's down there, he's tearing up. You know, the MLB's posting who who cut up the onions. Uh, I, I just don't really understand like how, how that's celebrated. I mean, I'm watching that and I'm just thinking to myself, was Jalen Hurts tearing up, uh, you know, in a post game interview about making the playoffs last year? Um, like, it, I don't know who's a rookie on the Eagles. Is, is Britton Covey going to be tearing up when, when we make the playoffs this year for the Eagles as first NFL playoff appearance or whatever? Like, I just couldn't believe it. And, and Reese is tearing up. Uh, you know, there's a small contingent of Phillies fans. I likened it to uh, the crowd that traveled with my middle school in-house team to the Trenton Thunder Stadium, uh, where I threw two innings. Uh, I want to say I've shut out ball at the time, but, you know, it was a similar size crowd, and, and Reese is drumming up the crowd. You know, we got these great fans. And yeah, I guess I guess, I guess, guess Philly has great fans, but, you know, the, the attendance at the ballpark this, this year has been a little low. Um just I don't know. It's just a complete clown show to me over clinching a playoff spot. They're in the locker room. Oh, we did it. We did it. What what did we do? Was our goal is our goal to make the playoffs or to win something, to make a deep let's run? Talk, let's talk about that because I'll give Rob Thompson some credit. The guy talked about the adversity they overcame and he and he kept it on what's next, right? Thirteen more wins. But then I'm getting bombarded with Reese Hoskins wearing the ski goggles like he's headed up to Jack Frost Big Boulder. 
and he's screaming into the camera, we did it, we did it. And, gee, I know you saw this, right, because we're both on the Instagram account. I'm, sa- I'm saying they, this team hasn't accomplished anything. I mean, and there's people blowing you up. What, what do you mean? It's been 11 years. Can't we celebrate? Like, yeah, we as fans can celebrate. I don't need a guy who's making millions of dollars who's underperformed every year that he's been here telling, telling us that we finally did it. You haven't done shit. You didn't win a division. You didn't win a playoff series. I mean, what have you done? Yeah, and you and you talk about a guy like Reese, and yeah, everybody's celebrating and everything. But th- this is a guy that he, you know he came up, he was hot. You thought maybe he was like a piece to build around, but instead we had to get an executive order passed and signed uh, to to fund the bill to go out and get the Harpers and the Schwarbers and the Castellanos and and the Wheelers and every Dick and Larry. Uh, you know, to cover up the bruise that that is Reese. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I could have said it better. I mean, um, it was cool seeing Real Muta. It was cool seeing Harper celebrate. I mean, those guys want to win. Um, but the Hoskins of the world, you're so right. I mean, this guy's a homegrown prospect, and he's acting like he's acting like they just won the World Series. Um, and maybe some of that. I mean, you mentioned the Trenton Thunder. We got T Max kid, who uh, I guess T Mac used to be the Trenton Thunder guy, and then. Patrick is the guy up in Lehigh Valley. It's a family affair. So, you know, for all the fans and, all, and the entire fan base that were yelling at John Middleton to upgrade the roster and re-sign JT and go get this guy and go get Castellanos and, and, and go get uh, Schwarber, it's been 11 years since they've reached the postseason. It's time to upgrade in the broadcasting booth. This team is now good enough to make the playoffs. Are we do do we deserve to suffer through Tom McCarthy for another season and his son and Crook? I, I that's why I can't get hyped. I mean, ima- imagine the the fellatio that will occur if this team wins a World Series and and remember the '08 team that wins the World Series and they march them in through center field and they're wearing the gold jerseys and. Like Harry Callis just has that regal voice where it's just a it's just a a beautiful show, it's a beautiful ceremony, but it would be it would be like that carnival down in South Philadelphia with Tom McCarthy. Oh, oh look at Reese in the gold! He looks great, Reese in the gold. <laughs> it's time to upgrade in the broadcasting booth. So it starts today. It starts now. I've had enough. We have been call well. You've been calling for the the upgrade in the booth, and then. Lo and behold, I've never seen a son, uh, you know, down in the the blue polo for NBC Philly, and he he's down on the field. I didn't even see or hear his name, knew nothing about him, but I just saw the way that he stood, and, and I was like, this guy's got to be related to T Mac. But hopefully, and and I don't know, um, you know, you think about like the NBA and the NHL, like the first round of the playoffs usually keeps like some sort of a local broadcast. But hopefully, for our sake, the MLB, you know, that first best of three wild card round uh, is all national. I think it's ESPN. And yeah, just send it to TBS. Yeah, whatever it is, I don't care what it is. Just send me somewhere else. I'm normally, what the local, not not here. It was funny you mentioned you didn't know that it was um, it was T Max Kid. Um, they had they they had a video of uh, of him interviewing Reese uh, posted on Instagram. And somebody commented, <laughs> Jake Carlin 8, shout out to Jake Carlin 8, commented, Walmart Greg Murphy. 
<laughs> I think I, I think I did stumble across that. P- poor Murph. Murph Murph got run out for for Patrick McCarthy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know if I wanted to get get to anything else on the fills. You take a look at the two potential opponents. It's going to be the Cardinals, uh, who are going to win the Central, uh, or it's the New York Mets, uh, who have skidded down the the finish line here and given up the NL East division lead to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Phillies played the Cardinals seven times this year, went four and three. Like the Mets 19 times won five games, five and 14 against the Mets. And that's the, that's the other thing talking about the Mets. I mean, we finished third in the division and, and, and this is the celebration, you know, that, that ensues. And I, I, I get it's the playoff spot, but third in the division and we're, and we're getting in and we're, we're tearing up and we're hugging and, you know, guys are caressing each other's faces in that locker room. It's kind of disgusting to me. And I don't think Vegas sees it any differently than you, G. Let me tell you why. Preseason, I told you I took a flyer on the Phillies um, for for winning the World Series. Put a hundred bucks on them at plus twenty five hundred. Uh, so I went into the sports book today to see what what the cash out is now that they made the playoffs. You know, because I know they're not going to win. What do you What do you think the cash out was? Well, it's funny you say that because I looked once they clinched this morning and they were like plus 2,800. So uh, what, what do you get? Are you getting a little bit of so money? For a hundred dollar ticket, the cash out was 60 bucks. So I went in and looked at the odds. I mean, they're going in the other, they made the playoffs. You said they're at 20. I got them at 2,500 before the season started. You said you went in and looked, you got, you're looking at 2,800. I see them right now at plus 3,300. I mean, <laughs> Nobody thinks this team's gonna do dick. Wow, they had a they had a better shot in in March or better odds in March than they do a, after a clinch. Yeah, not a good look. But I I will say, and I guess you could say it about most of the sports. I mean, more I think it applies more to hockey and baseball than it does like the NBA and the NFL. But anything can happen. You know, you get a few hot bats, few hot arms. Anything can happen, but it's clear, you know, that the, the teams at the top, the Dodgers, the Braves, uh, the Mets, you know, they have the pedigree. They they have the arms that been there, done it. But I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, it's fun watching playoff baseball, and if it's going to be our team, even better. So why not us? You know, let's let's just see what happens. Do you think they'll sell out at home? Well, that's the other thing. Somebody brought it up today. They're like, you want to go down – go down for a game and I'm like well I think in this new format all three games of the wild card are at the you know the higher seat so they'll be on the road for all three games let's assume they win that series do you think they sell out two games at home in the NLDS I would hope so I'm not sure though I mean think about did I mean did they sell out no seven when they played the Rockies in that first round I mean of course they sold out they sold yeah they sold out they I mean I, I don't know. I don't know that people are buying into it. Like, I don't think. First of all, I don't think people give a shit about baseball anymore. Secondly, I mean, I know I'm not watching. I mean, I used to be like a one, one fifty five out of one sixty two guy in terms of like either being there or or I had partial season tickets. If I wasn't at the game uh, or buying them on StubHub, I was watching it on TV. I've watched the game since August. I mean, you can call me a fraud. That's fine. This team is just not exciting to watch. They play a really boring brand of baseball. 
I'll tip my cap and say, hey, well, you know, let's do something in the playoffs here. I'll support them, obviously. But I remember there, there were games where we were buying tickets in the 400 level in college. I mean, it was like 170, 200 bucks to get in in Section 430. I would venture a guess that if they do sell out some of these games, if they have some home games, that you could probably get into the game for 20 or 40 bucks. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the the attendance, even down the stretch here, uh, it would be hard to believe that that it's a tough ticket uh, or, or that they sell out. Uh, but yeah, I think it's. I mean, I, it was what fifteen years ago now or so. But that that core of Rollins, Howard, Utley, Hamels just it just had a different vibe uh, than than this team does. So we'll root them on. It's all gravy. Game one Friday. Mets are the cards. I mean, who who do you want, Bob? Do you have a preference? Yeah, I want the Cardinals. Um, and, and I want the Cardinals because I want to pop Albert Pujols for steroids. It's is it? I mean, that guy's definitely juicing, right? Um, I think you said it. I mean, the guy's juicing. And then and then Wayno, they call him Wayno out there. Wayno. <laughs> I'm I'm tired of Wayno. I'm tired of Yachty. Send them all to retirement. Get them the fuck out of here. Yeah, I think in terms of chances, you, you gotta you gotta hope they get the cards, but. I feel like the Met, the Mets the Mets will be. What'd you say? I said do it for Roy Halladay. Oh boy, um, yeah, do it for Roy. But I feel like the Mets they they've just had our number so bad. I mean, all the pressure would be on them and not not us, you know. And we'd have a little juice from winning. Or no, we wouldn't have a little juice from winning a wild card round. This would be the wild card round. But uh, yeah, playing a team that that. Beat you fourteen times out of twenty this year or whatever. It's house money, maybe a little reverse reverse psychology. Yeah, but I want to see I want to see the Braves or the Mets like when when the games mean more like NLCS like that's what I want to see. You know that intradivisional type of vibe. In '93, they beat the Braves in the NLCS due to the World Series. I mean that that's fun. Yeah, yeah, the rivalries uh, when it when it gets chilly and later into October. It gets intense. Playoff baseball. We got it here in Philly this year. We'll take it. Uh, let's transition to the Eagles. Bomb, you were there. You stuck it out in the rain. Uh, let's let's actually, before we, we dive into the Eagles, we do have one caller this week on the listener spot in the shade, uh, which can be reached at 215-385-5164. Whatever you guys got, you want to get involved, uh, leave us a note. Leave us, not a note, a voicemail voice message will play and respond on the next episode let's go to the mailbox this week we got one message that's going to kick off our eagles talk here oh gee and bomb i'm driving into work i thought i'd leave a message i it happened to pop my head into lincoln financial field this sunday at one o'clock in the pouring rain and the blowing wind to watch my eagles be dug down it was absolutely fantastic. I guess the rain, uh, you know, held up the, the the waving of the flag in the middle of the field. I was there for the uh, national anthem and didn't see anything in the source, so I figured they canceled it. I figured they uh, they saved bomb the embarrassment of heading on to that Philadelphia Eagles field in that Jacksonville Jaguars jersey. Would have looked like the biggest clown in the whole arena. So I think he got bailed out. Uh, Doug Peterson, send them back to Duval. Thanks for the Super Bowl. See you later, buddy. Go Eagles, four and zero. 
That's what I'm talking about. No Jaguars jerseys, just straight doves from the birds. Have a good one, gentlemen. Bomb got bailed out. I'll let you respond. That was that was directed at you, brother. Well, it took me about 20 seconds, but I think I recognized the voice, and I'm surprised. I mean, even if I was on the field, that guy was probably sitting so fucking high in the stadium, he'd have no clue what color it was, teal or green. So, I mean, I'm surprised he was even able to uh, to see the game from where he was sitting up in those nosebleeds. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you want me to say? I mean, I thought Doug came out with a good game plan. His quarterback dropped the ball five times. I mean, You'd be lying if you said when they went down the field and scored that touchdown and went up 14 nothing, you weren't sitting there on your couch or in the rain out there at the link for the collective uh, fan base to think we're in trouble. I mean, did I think the team would fold its tent? Absolutely not. I mean, I thought they'd come back and give it a game, but 14 nothing. you look at the way Jacksonville kind of moved the ball down the field, they got the pick six. I thought to myself, wow, these guys are rallying for Doug. It's obvious how hard his teams play for him. I mean, if not for these mistakes, I think the Jags win the game, or at the very least keep it close. The Eagles are the better team. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Uh, But all in all, a good win by the Birds. Good win. And not only did the Jags go up 14-0, but uh, second half the Eagles are up up 20-14, and Jacksonville's moving it. I think they're in the red zone. If not, they're close. Uh, and, and fortunately, Bradbury jumps that little uh, little swing route or wheel route that, that Kirk has running up the sideline and makes a pick. Otherwise, Jacksonville might go in and take the lead there. So, yeah, good win. E- Eagles were the better team. Uh, you know, the, the defense showed up in the rain. They got pressure on Lawrence. Uh, the Eagles ran the ball well coming into the game against the Jags. Jacksonville was the number one rushing defense. Uh, they were number one in turnover margin coming into that game as well. Uh, clearly, the Eagles won that battle in a big way, um, maybe because of the slippery ball uh, and and Lawrence's mishaps. But they're getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback to start the year. I think that's a great theme, uh, you know, especially with, with Jonathan Gannon. You know, we know what he's good for, the, the four-man rush, the 10-yard the cushion, and letting everybody dink and dunk their way down the field. But that hasn't been the story since the first game of Detroit, so good adjustment there. And then uh, – they, they, they dominated on the ground. Uh, flowers, more flowers for Miles, even though he still uh, tends to turn that blinker on from time to time and, and get, get way too lateral. I think it helped on one play. There was an, there were two very similar plays where he got lateral. One, one turned out nice, the other uh, not so nice. But I saw an interesting stat uh, from Bo Wolf on Twitter regarding the last two times the Eagles have played against the league's number one run defense. Uh, Sunday versus Jacksonville, 50 carries on 77 of their plays for 210 yards. Uh, And then last December against New Orleans, 50 carries on 77 plays for 242 yards. So it's a good thing against the number one rush defense to be able to to move the ball on the ground. And it's it's even a better thing uh, when two offensive linemen go down. When you're in the rain, you you know it's not an option to to air it out. And you have to run. They know you're going to run and you can still get the job done. you know, so so hats off to the Eagles and the guys up front. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I gotta I gotta tip my cap to Miles Sanders. I'm the first guy to rip him when it comes to him bouncing it or dropping the football, and he very easily. I mean, judging by what Trevor Lawrence did, um, slick conditions, right? You're you're you know, 
probably more likely to fumble the football, and I got to give him credit. The guy held on to the rock. Unlike us here on TFTS, dapping up, you know, virtually or, or, or through the years, dapping up Miles Sanders. But, yeah, Bradbury had the big pick in the second half. That's the difference between us and the legacy media, I guess you could say, is we'll rip them when they need to be ripped. And, you know, I don't need to blow them when they do their job. I'll tip my cap. Agreed. Yeah, it's it's a good way to put it. It's not it's not we're not a powder puff pod as as you want to put it. You know, we're not here to to pat everybody on the ass. You know, get, give them a double wrist or strumming them off. But uh, yeah, I talked about Bradbury, another big off season addition. Obviously, Hassan Reddick uh, paid him some big bucks. Uh, he he made a lot happen on Sunday, and good to see it. He's doing it rushing the pass or not out in coverage. I know I was complaining about that a couple of weeks ago, but I think uh, Sunday was a prime example of why this guy needs to just be putting a hand in the ground or, you know, lining up over a tackle and just getting after the QB. I think there's some, there's something we need to talk about that's that's bigger than this game, uh, bigger than this season, bigger than this quarterback, bigger than this coach. Um if it hasn't happened already, I believe China is uh, running a, an election for, well, air quotes, election for uh, President Xi Jinping. Uh, he's uh, looking to be elected, I believe, for life. Um, I'm not here to talk about uh, Chinese geopolitics. However, I believe we are in a scenario where I've seen enough. I'm ready to elect Howie Roseman as GM of the Eagles for life. Um, I've talked about this with others. I've floated this idea. Uh, you know I'm a Howie guy. You know I'm a Jeff Lurie guy. I was floating this idea with some others, and they said, well, that's great, but what happens when Jeff Lurie dies? Well, guess what? Julian Lurie is being groomed. Young Julian Lurie is being groomed. He's a golf guy. He's taking lessons. He's learning the business from his dad. But I think let's take it out of their hands. Elect Howie as GM for life. I heard something interesting this offseason where Howie Roseman actually has depth charts canvassed across his wall in, the, in his office for like 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, all the money coming in or off the books, uh, what the drafts look like. I mean, the guy, I think, because of the fact that he has job security and Jeff Lurie has given him the ability to fail – without just dropping the axe on the guy. It's a lot different than other franchises where a GM has to perform within four years. They're making short-term decisions. I, I just love what I see from this team. They're not only built now to win, peak now this year, but my gosh, I mean, you look at A.J. Brown, he's 24 years old. How old is Jalen Hurts? He's younger than Sean Clifford. I mean, this team is unbelievable. Now, clearly you're gonna have to pay these guys. But I think Roseman has shown enough aptitude where he can go out and find a guy on the cheap, uh, bring another guy in, rotate some of these pieces in and around the core. So I feel so good about Howie. I mean, I just say make him GM for life. You think he's the only only GM in the NFL that has uh, depth charts for, for years to come? I think – no, I think other GMs have it, but I think the, the, the tail of those – the long tail of those depth charts, like into like – 2030, right? Like, you know, I, I don't know how long of a view some of these other uh, GMs are taking, particularly those that are on the hot seat. And what, what ends up happening is you you end up taking a guy to fill a need. Um, obviously, how he's done that a bit in the past. But I, I just think his ability to make 
like Lloyd gives him enough leash to make a mistake and and not not atone for it, but but not not have to like get canned for it. Like the Rager thing was a mistake because all the mouth breathers, all they talk about is, oh my god, he took Rager over uh, Jefferson, J Jets, um, and yeah, I mean. Obviously not optimal, but at the same time, if he took Jefferson, we wouldn't have Devontae Smith. We wouldn't have A.J. Brown. Like, the guy basically turned Carson Wentz into A.J. Brown. I mean, he's, he's shown the ability to kind of fix his mistakes, and you don't have to go through these lengthy rebuilds. Like, like they're in win-now mode right now. Yeah, he, he, he cleaned up the mess. It was, uh, you know, the, the Rager and Jefferson, Jefferson thing is, you know, it, it shines bright. You know, it stands out, but... Like you said, he, he cleaned up the mess, and you, you have to be happy with, with the team that he built. Uh, there, there's depth everywhere. I talked about the injuries along the O-line. You know, you have two two guys that can come in uh, and, and not skip a beat. You know, they're down Slay. They're down Maddox in the secondary. Um, I think Josiah Scott was, was the nickel that filled in and took him a few snaps to get right in that game. But, they, you know, he's done a great job. At, at every position, they just have guys that – Come in, uh, guys go down. You know, another another guy steps in. Um, you know, I've I've been on the record as a Howie hater in the past, but I think uh, in this last year plus, he's uh, he's proven his worth and and he's done a nice job. The the other thing I'll, I'll add, unless you have something else there. No, no, go ahead. The other thing I'll add is the thing that I I really love about Howie is that the way he builds a football team, like obviously guys like us, right? Like we love hard nosed football, love run it down your throat football, love stopping the run football. So you like, you end up clamoring for these like linebackers, like a, you know, like a Luke Keekley, like, like a, you know, like a, like an Erlacher. Like you want one of these guys, that's just going to blow guys up in that a gap. Um, but Howie has shown that he has a methodology to building football teams, and it starts with the offensive line and the defensive line, and he has not wavered from that methodology. And for as long as I can remember, the Eagles have had a really good defensive line and a really good offensive line. And more often than not, if you put those two pieces of the puzzle in place year in and year out, you're going to be a decent football team. It's hard hard to not be a decent football team when you have good play in the trenches. Uh, Totally agree with that, but yeah, you talk about look, looking out into the future and, and cleaning up mistakes and, and, and mixing and matching and ma- making moves, being forward-thinking. I mean, does he know anything about hockey? Can we get him across the street? I would worry a little bit about him taking his focus off the Eagles, but, I mean, gosh, could I would – if he ever retired from football, like let's just say or maybe Lurie goes in another direction or he brings in somebody else at some point. Like for you, mouth breathing Sixers fans, you should be clamoring for Howie Roseman to like be the GM of the Sixers, and just like come up with a methodology and whatever it is, like just stick to it. Like the guy will keep you in contention until he finds another piece. The other thing, I don't know if it was you who was saying there's somebody else. When you go back and you look at the winningest franchises in the NFL over the last ten to twenty years, you got the Steelers, you got the Eagles, you got the Seahawks, you got the Patriots. Most every one of those teams had a franchise quarterback. The Eagles have been cycling quarterbacks in and out, and they're still winning. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it that way. But again, that just goes to the to the methodology of building the team 
in the trenches and, and building out because it, it really is hard to suck uh, if you can win at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I don't know if you had anything else on Howie or the game. Obviously, didn't really talk about Jalen Hurts. Throws the early contested ball, gets tipped up. Pick six, uh, but but he cleans it up, doesn't turn the ball over the rest of the day. You know, he's, he's grinding on the ground, taking hits, bulldozing guys over to get in the end zone, and, and just leading the team that the way that we've uh, grown to, to know and love. So not a bad day for number one, for QB1. He, he gets the, uh, you know, the, gl- the glitz and the glam on Monday Night Football with Peyton and Eli there on the Manning cast. But back to, you know, kind of the top of the of the topic and, you know, our caller, what what went down with, you know, the whole the whole flag ceremony it was called off. Did you still wear the jersey? Was it visible? Did you get any feedback out in the parking lot or in the stadium? You know, get, fill us in on, on your experience. Let me fill you in on my day and then lead you through the flag ceremony and the game and the game day experience, the whole thing. I left the house. I'm looking at Apple Maps because, you know, you go through Lincoln Drive, Kelly Drive, is that flooded? So I got to go a different route. Um, I have no poncho in the house. I'm wearing a big raincoat. I stop off at Walgreens. It's almost unfathomable to me, having been a former employee, just how incompetent that company is. Not a poncho in sight. Not a poncho in sight. I mean, wouldn't you think, I mean, if you're running a big multi-billion dollar conglomerate, did they send the ponchos down to Florida? Is that why there were no ponchos here? I mean, I just don't understand. So no ponchos, no ponchos at CVS. I go into the giant, no ponchos. Can't, can't get a poncho. So for those of you who are thinking about going to an Eagles game later in the year, it could rain, order your poncho right now off Amazon. All right? That's a PSA. So the third place I stopped was this giant. So I just bought like industrial sized trash bags. That's what I bought, right? So I get down there and I I got a trash I, I cut the, the neck out of the trash bag and then I cut the arms out T- and then I make T T B B trash bag bomb. Trash bag bomb, yeah. <laughs> so I'm all geared up. I got the trash bag for the top. But, yeah, I mean, the vibes were good. I mean, the vibes were really good in the stadium. I mean, people were dressed like idiots. A lot of people had ponchos. I got a lot of comments on the trash bags, and they're like, you don't have a poncho? And I'm like, I'm, I'm wearing a poncho. It's called a Delaware County poncho. Like, you've never seen one of these before? And, like, multiple people stopped me and, like, asked to take a picture. And I said, yeah, you know. Thanks for listening. And they said, what? And I said, well, thanks for listening. Thoughts. I thought they wanted to see me because it was thoughts from the sheet. <laughs> they just thought it was an asshole in a, in a trash bag. Um, so, yeah, the flag ceremony was canceled. I got a lot of questions about that. Why aren't you on the field? Where are a lot of people in the stadium? Where are you, Bob? I mean, have some freaking respect for this country and have some respect for the troops. They canceled it. You can't have the flag in the rain. And late-breaking news, I mean, I'm going to give it to you here, G. Late-breaking news, the Philadelphia Eagles cancel the flag ceremony for the bomb. And they say, we're going to welcome you back. Whatever game you want to pick, we're going to welcome you back. You can be on the field. So I've decided, we've made the executive decision, there's a nationally broadcast Monday Night Football game with a certain special someone who's also going to be welcomed back with open arms. (laughs) And I'll be on the field holding the flag. And you just better hope, you better hope that they don't have me on that Washington sideline because 
If I'm anywhere near that that ginger fuck who tried to fuck our franchise over, I might be carried out of the stadium. What I'm asking for right now is, what should I wear? Should I wear uh, an AO1 t-shirt? Should I wear a Nick Foles jersey? I got to have some sort of gear that I can wear on the field to punk this guy. I think it's got to be a Foles jersey, and then maybe you know you, you get the gray wig and the visor, and, and maybe get, we'll get somebody to draw up like a mold of Doug Peterson's face, so you can you can remind him of the, of, of the quarterback and the coach that got it done without him, and, and you know the coach that that had seen enough of him, uh, who he ultimately got run out of town. Um, or you could just bring like a fat sack, you know, filled with like fake money, and just be like, yeah, this. The, this is what you robbed us of or tried to rob us of all this cash. It's still unfathomable <laughs> to me that he, that he got 120 mil or whatever he got. Um, but glad you survived. And people, uh, so we, we, I was lucky. We, we were at, we ended up getting, um, tickets. We sold our tickets and we got, we got tickets in the, the club box area. So, although we were like outside, we had the ability to like go in and get, you know what I mean? Like get a little warmer, um, but after the end of the first half, we decided to go down and go to the Miller, Miller light tent. Um, it was jammed. It was popping. They had the DJ going. They had Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you bumping at halftime. Wow. Already. I mean, party and people were like jamming into the tent or what you saw were just a ton of people just leaving, leaving the game, like, like walking out of the gates. Like they're like, I've, we've had enough. Can't handle the elements. Wow. Yeah, but for Doug. I mean, we gave him a nice ovation, but like, because of the conditions, like the stadium wasn't jammed at the time in which they came out, and um, yeah, everybody clapped. Doug clapped and you know waved to the fans, and it was a nice moment. But I would have loved for it to be just like a standing ovation where the guys got to like take a bow or tip his cap. But it was it was just one of those days where it was so, it was so bad that yeah, just that 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 kind of moment, you know kind of escape this well i'm just glad you'll get your moment on the field with the flag uh when 11 comes back to town hopefully he's starting hopefully he's playing hopefully we can we can throw him down on the turf a few more times but we're not going to bank on that um before before we move on just remember uh you can follow us at thoughts in the shade on instagram at tfts pod on twitter and don't forget wherever you're listening leave us that five-star review apple podcasts uh, and or Spotify uh, really helps us out. And it's much appreciated. Uh, speaking of 11 and going around the league, um, just another abysmal performance from Wentz and the commanders. Uh, and I'm not even going to let you, you know, jump, jump in here. Uh, I had them, you know, Dallas was a public darling this week. They were on a short week. Uh, it was a, you know, I thought maybe a bounce back spot for Washington. Uh, so I'm going to add them to the, to the no bet list. They'll probably get a couple, couple covers the rest of the year, a couple more wins, but I don't think I'm going to be looking to invest uh, on that team anymore because when that red X gets posted on the gram, uh, I don't hear the end of it from bomb and, and some of you listeners out there. So we'll, we'll uh, they're on the no bet list for me. The problem is you're looking you're looking for teams where the public money is like outsized on one side. 
but you're like not factoring in why that is. Like people are betting on the Cowboys because they're playing Carson Wentz. People know now. People know. Does does the public know about Carson Wentz before Vegas? Because there are there are a number of uh, you know apparent sharps and uh, pros out out on social media that that still for whatever reason believe in this guy and think he can bounce back and uh, you know Washington's a dark horse to make the playoffs and this and that. But I I think the the working man the the nine to fivers our listeners you know the the common man that ties his shoes every morning and goes to work. We know. We know that this guy's a fraud. We know he's cooked. He's got nothing left. Uh, retirement's on the horizon. He's he's not going to be good as a clipboard holder. He'll probably drop that or, uh, you know, pump fake that seven times and then get sacked by the water boy. So bad bet by me. Uh, not the best week. Um, I don't know what, what else you had from the league this week. Obviously Thursday night, Tua goes down. He was out of the hospital before the end of the game, back on the plane with the Dolphins, uh, going back to Miami. Um, but it's just funny when when something like that happens. You know, everybody becomes a doctor, just like uh, every other issue or or event that that happens that's controversial. Uh, you know, every, everybody be, becomes a doctor or an expert. Uh, but. It's just re- remarkable to me to turn on the TV Friday morning and everybody's talking about, well, what's the NFL going to do? They got to do something. And what's the NFL PA going to do? And they got to do something. And these doctors, this, and they let them play, so on and so forth. But, I mean, do we forget, you know, that, that this is a free country? This is a, a free world that we live in? I mean, Tua took the hit Sunday against Buffalo, and, and he's stumbling around, and he collapses. And then four, three, four days later, he he was willing to play. Uh, does does any of the accountability fall on the individual anymore? It's a slippery slope. I mean, I yes and no. I mean, the issue is these NFL players historically. I think now it's much better, and I think this is kind of one of those glaring cases of an example that like kind of just fell through the crack, cracks. But like. Look back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even early 2000s, like these guys basically were treated like thoroughbred horses. Um, take a pain pill. You know, we're going to pop you with some, with some, with an injection of Toradol. Do I think, as, as a guy who used to work in a pharmacy and counsel patients on the benefits and risks of every medication that goes into somebody's body, particularly those ones with boxed warnings, which is the strongest warning the FDA can, can put on a drug? Do I think that the trainer is telling these these players the boxed warning associated with cardiac events related to a drug like Toradol, which is the generics Like, No, I don't think that's happening. I think these guys just, they're treated like thoroughbred horses, like get out there and play. What, what occurred this week, though, with Tua is a bit different because you have an unaffiliated neurologist who either missed something or got unlucky uh, just with the with with the timing of the second concussion, or or may, maybe I mean I don't know what happened last Sunday looked like a concussion, but they they said it was a back injury. Um, so I, I don't know the answer. The the guy passed, he passed the the concussion test. So maybe there needs to be less of an emphasis on player testing and more of an emphasis on what we saw objectively on film. 
I think maybe that's that's something that they could look at and add to a protocol. But I think if I'm Roger Goodell, I think there's 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 one way to solve this. Um, there's so many player-led initiatives. You know, you think about some of the social justice stuff. Uh, you think about um, you know just many of the player-led initiatives that the NFL has. And I think there needs to be a player-led initiative on head safety. And I think rather than Carson Wentz stealing money from the Washington Commanders, what you could do is convert him into a league employee. And every every Sunday, rather than putting him on the field, he can go and speak in the locker room uh, for various teams, or maybe they could pipe him in on Zoom. He can hold his baby, and his wife can sit next to him on the couch, and they'll pipe literally in the locker room. Every team will see a simulcast of Carson Wentz, and he'll give a speech, maybe a five-minute speech on how it's, it's just it's too important. Um, if, if you feel bad, if you're not playing well, if, 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 if your head hurts, hand over the helmet, go into the blue tent, don't go back into the game. Mark my words. Mark my words, G. This Tua situation, the situation with Cameron Brake, is going to lead to a reckoning where Carson Wentz will be viewed as one of the forefathers of tapping the helmet yourself and saying, take me out. Guarantee it. Take it to the bank. Where do you see? That's what we saw in the, at the link, 2019 or, or 2020, the playoff game against Seattle. Uh, I don't know if everyone's catching your drift there, but I, I got you. And I don't I don't mean to, you know, solely place the blame on Tua, but it's just more uh it's just more annoying to me that that's, you know, the topic of discussion at halftime, the topic of discussion in the post game. Uh, you know, the the Thursday night panel, each one of them regurgitates the same message about how, you know, these guys are humans and all this stuff like I feel like everybody gets that, and the, the talk goes on and on until you get to Sunday in regard to pro football. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't blame Tua. I, I get that they're treated like thoroughbreds and everything like that, but with the amount of emphasis that's been put on the, the CTE stuff, the concussion stuff and everything, like a, as an adult, as a grown man, can't you say like, Hey, hang on a second. Like I just collapsed three days ago. Like maybe I shouldn't play in this game regardless of what the doctor's saying. I, I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe I'm not a, maybe I'm not a fierce competitor, but, uh, cause that's kind of what, what takes over for those guys if they get the green light. But I mean, if, if I got knocked out, I, I sure as shit wouldn't be, uh, rushing out to play a game in week four. I don't know. Four. Like I, I don't think the malpractice ended when he when he was convulsing or whatever he was doing with his fingers on the field. Like they took him to the hospital, they released him, and they flew him home with the team. Let's think about that for a second. Like I, I could not imagine as 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 a guy who who continues to pay his. Uh, you know, his malpractice insurance related to healthcare. I could not imagine recommending a guy who was convulsing uh, or whatever you want to call that after seemingly a second concussion. I couldn't imagine recommending that that guy strap up and get thrown in the air at 30,000 feet with all the different pressure changes and, and what have you. And I know they probably gave him an MRI and looked deep into his brain to see if there was any sign of, of, um, uh, of any type of clotting, but 
I mean, um, any type of flight leaves you at risk of clots. I, I, I just, I, I was, when I heard that, when I heard that, oh, he's good because he flew home with the team, I thought to myself, who, who the fuck is running the operation in Miami? I mean, that's just something, even, even if the guy looks great at the hospital, you keep him for observation. And, and, and I'm not flying him home same day. Absolutely not. Yeah, me either. That's why I just thought it was so so bizarre, you know, the, the way they talked about it on the broadcast, halftime, after the game, and, and so forth. And then you get the update, yeah, yeah, he's going home with the team. So, like I said, I'm I'm not here to, to, to blame Tua or, or to blame anybody. I mean, certainly there was malpractice a, along the way. I'm not sure who, but I think my point more is just like, Everybody's so quick to to become an expert to to weigh in, and it's mind boggling and it's, and it's frustrating. Like, yeah, there was malpractice. Uh, it's not the first time, probably not the last, but I think everybody holds a little bit of a stake. Whether it's unless it's blatant, um, not even malpractice. If if it's if it's a blatant example of somebody intentionally causing harm to somebody. You can never blame an individual person. It, it, it wasn't, I mean, could the neurologist have done a better job? Absolutely. But there, you need to, when, when, when mistakes happen in healthcare, you need to look at the systems that are involved. And clearly the system failed, right? And the neurologist might be a part of that, but the system needs to be reviewed. It's very easy to point the finger at one guy and say, we fired him. Everything's fixed. No, in my mind, everything's not fixed. Like, the NFL has a big problem on their hands. If they don't get their arms around this and fix this process, what you're going to see is a lot of people saying, hey, you know what? Those rules that you guys are doing during Pro Bowl week, that's what we're going to do now moving forward. That's football now. That's a scary thought. Scary thought. We'll leave it at that. Some some heavy stuff. Let's go to college. I mean, I don't know if you had anything to take away with college this week before we wrap up with our, our mix and match six pack, but I have to, I have to come out here and apologize to the listeners. Uh, we thought we had a good, a good insider scoop last week and I'm not, I'm not blaming the source. Uh, I'm not blaming anybody on the message boards that were whispering the same things. What's up? Blame the process, blame the system. Don't blame the doctor. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm blaming me. I'm blaming me. I brought it to the airwaves. Uh, you know, we, we thought we had a good tip uh, from, from numerous sources that Drew Aller was going to start last week for Penn State. Didn't happen. You didn't see the field. Penn State wins uh, a complete slot fest in Happy Valley against Northwestern, 17-7. to I wonder if, if the elements and the rain uh, had not been present in state college last week, if maybe, maybe our tip was correct. Um, but like I said, uh, over one on the inside scoop for, for thoughts from the shade, uh, an ugly win for Penn state by week this week for the Nets, uh, before they go to the big house and take on Michigan at 12 o'clock on Saturday, uh, the 15th, but not a great win. We'll take it. They're five and zero. uh, I'm five for five on my season prediction, uh, for those guys so far this year. Uh, Georgia gives up the top spot in the AP poll. Uh, they had, they were in for a scare. I mean, it's kind of like Penn State last two weeks. Uh, you know, they they struggled or didn't completely blow the doors off of Kent State, uh, and then they're at Missouri Saturday night. I'm watching NC NC State Clemson, and then I see the score across the bottom of the Georgia game. They were losing the whole game until four minutes left in the fourth quarter at Mizzou. 
Uh, they get the win, but they're hitting a few bumps in the road. So uh, I don't know what you had on College Bomb, but the the Georgia struggles, uh, the Penn State struggles. Um, this is the other thing I wanted to say about Penn State too. Like we talked about September State, the, the hot star, their September team, their wagon covering against the spread in September. I'm going to need Green Day to, to come, make a comeback and uh, write us a new song for me and Penn State and put me down when September ends because after September, it, it, it just gets ugly in State College. I like that. I like that, Gene. No, I mean, college, I mean, uh, I did a rapid fire, bet the board type of weekend, felt pretty good about things. I mean, I like Northwestern, had the points. Um, that hit. I really liked Rutgers. In fact, I was playing golf with a guy on Friday. He asked me what I liked. I said, I love Rutgers. I said, if they score 10 points, they cover that spread. They scored 10, they covered it by the skin of their teeth. Um, the game, though, that was like my unload the clip game was NC State. I mean, oh no. Um, I still think Clemson is a bunch of frauds. Um, I, I got a major uh, issue with kind of the way that ABC and ESPN pumps up that program. Um, I go on the ESPN.com. It says 7:30 start. I log into the, you know, I flip on the TV. And I'm, I'm, I got, I got ABC on at 7:32, and it's like I'm, I'm, I'm watching Clemson load into the, into the buses. I'm watching them all tap the rock, run down the hill. I'm watching Dabo Sweeney. I mean, at least in politics, they have a rule where you got to give equal airtime to each candidate. Um, why the fuck am I watching for 30 minutes a goddamn Clemson recruiting video? I'm so sick and tired of it. Every time they play on ABC or ESPN, I got to see them get in the coach bus. Like they're loading off to a fucking wedding 20 minutes away. Where do they suit up? Why aren't they in the goddamn locker room? <laughs> Bob flips on NC State Clemson at 730 and he sees the Tigers taking a bus ride. It's it's, it's, maybe it shouldn't make me angry. It is one of the dumbest traditions. It's one of the dumbest traditions. Run down the hill. Uh, the first time a starting quarterback runs down that hill and blows out of me, that tradition will end. Okay? It's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Every time I see that, I'm like, man, somebody's going to go down. Because it really doesn't look, uh, it don't look right. And they jacked. By the way, <laughs> let's just call it what it is. They jacked. Zombie Nation. What, what do they say? Is it We Are Tigers? Or I mean, they, uh, what, what, what's the thing that they do? Are they like Jackson Penn State stuff? It ain't right, man. I did notice that Saturday night. That was the first time I heard it down at Clemson. Yeah, I mean, it, there's something about that program that just makes me angry. And, like, I feel sick that I rooted for that sicko Deshaun Watson and Dabo Sweeney, like, against Alabama. I mean, I... I, I I'll tell you what, the older I get, the more of a Nick Saban guy I become. You know, they're not running down a hill. They're running downhill. And Jalen Hurts was talking about how much he loves Saban on the Manning cast Monday night, and he talked about how, how similar of a person uh, that that he is. You know, Jalen and Nick Saban, similar similar type of guys. So I'm with you, man. That that Dabo, you know, he, he rubs me the wrong way. But for all, for all the fiascos that it was, uh, got to give Clemson some credit. Back-to-back big wins uh, in the ACC, one on the road over Wake Forest, and then one at home over NC State. So 
Clemson might be back. I don't know. No, they're not back. They're not back. Remains to be seen, but you know their their playoff hopes are alive. They're they're fifth in the country. So, um, what else? Ole Miss beats Kentucky. That's a top ten team that falls. Kentucky. Uh, and how about Friday night out in the Pac-12? Bombs UCLA Bruins. One of his dark horse. Uh, we won't mention the other one. Paul Chris fired at Wisconsin. Uh, one of his dark horse playoff picks. UCLA Bruins. Uh, beat the Washington Huskies 40-32 to on Friday night. They have entered uh, the AP Top 25 this week at number 18. Caught a lot of flack with that pick. I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I can go chalk. I can I can take the Clemsons and the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world, but I try to give the people an honest shake at, at, at a couple teams that are going to shake up the college football playoff. And I gave you Cincinnati last year. Uh, is Wisconsin a pathetic, pathetic pick? Yes, it's pathetic. Um, however, UCLA, uh, DTR, QB. They got the old Michigan running back in the backfield. They got Chip dialing it up. This team has scored 40 points every single game except one. The game they didn't score 40, they scored 33. I don't think they can stop a nosebleed, but if they're putting up 40 or 50 every single game, I mean, I think there's a good chance that they, at the very least, uh, you know, get to a a Pac-12 championship game. Next game is against Utah. Then they go on the road at Oregon. However, if you recall, I was giving you the cupcake schedule with UCLA, G, in the preseason and why I thought they had a chance to represent the Pac-12. They play Utah at home. Yes, they have to go to Austin, but comes after a bye. They got a full week to do the install. Chip Chip coaches the boys up on what it's like to be at Oregon, the gear, you know, all the different plays and all the things. So, I mean, if you're thinking of fading UCLA, obviously you're going to take the Utes here in this spot, but I am going to continue to ride with UCLA, man. They're getting points at home. I love them. They look good. Yeah, big win. Big win Friday night, like we said, Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's uh is he is he low key building a Heisman campaign? We'll see. DTR is what everyone thought AR fifteen was. That's what that's what it like like he will be what everyone thought Anthony Richardson was after a win against Utah. Well, hopefully I didn't put the jinx on uh, on DTR because when everybody started talking about the AR fifteen Heisman campaign, that ended after one week. So. Uh, we'll we'll uh we'll hope it lasts a little longer for DTR for your sake, Bomb. But I think that'll bring us to our mix and match six pack. You alluded to it. I'm starting there. Uh, Utah at UCLA Saturday at three thirty. The Utes are laying four and a half at the moment. Game will be played at the Rose Bowl on Fox. Total sixty four and a half. Uh, I feel like we haven't really talked about Utah since week one. Uh, after the loss to Florida, uh, but they're four and one. I think they still control their own destiny uh, in the Pac-12. Obviously, UCLA undefeated. I feel like the Pac-12 a little bit of depth this year. You talk about Utah, you talk about UCLA, USC in the top ten. Uh, Oregon's responded nicely to the embarrassing Week One loss against Georgia, and then the Washington Huskies. I mean, they took their far- first loss to the Bruins, but still a respectable team, uh, ranked twenty-first in the country right now. But Utah, UCLA, uh, me and Bomb are two uh, Pac-12 picks to make the college football playoff. It'll be uh, it's going to be a battle of our teams. 
on Saturday at the Rose Bowl. And then I'm going to go over to the pros. I got a few. Uh, I, I don't want to call them off the board or, or dark horse games, but you know maybe not our sexy teams, not our primetime matchups. First game that caught my eye looking at the board is the Detroit Lions at the New England Patriots. Two one and three teams. You got the Lions uh, leading the NFL in points per game, and if I'm not mistaken, they, they've got to be leading, if not close to leading, the league in points against per game. Going against the Patriots, no Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer concussed, uh, Bailey Zappi. He almost shocked the the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. Would have been great uh, for my survivor pool. Uh, but the Zappi experience looks like it's going to continue Sunday. Lions one and three. People think they've looked good. Patriots just that mixed bag that they've been in the post uh, Brady era. Patriots minus three. It's an interesting line with a third-string QB against a, a team that's been lighting up the scoreboard. Uh, that's 1 o'clock Sunday. And then also in the 1 o'clock window, we got an AFC South matchup, the winless Houston Texans off the loss at home to the L.A. Chargers, taking on Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars off the loss to the Eagles in Jacksonville at 1 o'clock on CBS, Jaguars are laying seven. I'm looking at the Jags as a potential pick and survivor this week. Uh, Juice and I are still alive, but it's a divisional game, and there's something about those winless teams, man. You never know when they're going to show up. They're usually pretty pesky. I know the Texans blow, but uh, like I said, divisional spot, they're winless. It's it's uh, it's a little risky. It's a little risky. We'll see what we settle on later in the week. Um, but I always like to keep my eye on those winless teams, uh, especially against a team like the Jags who seem to be on the up even after the loss last week. Interesting game for sure. No, thanks, Jay. Uh, I'm looking at a couple different games here. We'll start in the NFL. AFC North matchup. Bengals get a, a big dub. Shout out to G on that on that cover on uh, on Thursday night. They get the mini bye, but they have to go to Baltimore. Uh, controversy. On Sunday in Baltimore, the Bills come all the way back. John Harbaugh goes for it. I thought it was the right move. The pick kind of hurt. Uh, You've got uh, Marcus Peters on the sideline going absolutely nuts. Um, Do they bounce back? Do do the Bengals get the ship right? I mean, this is going to be a great game. Again, a divisional game. I think the Ravens are laying three and a half. So very interested to see where that line moves. Um, but a game I had my eye on in order, in order to, uh, you know, in terms of picking a game. Um, uh, another game I had my eye on in the NFL, we're looking at a couple fraud coaches, uh, a, a couple, you know, fraud franchises. Indianapolis Colts going to Denver, playing at altitude. Frank Reich coaching for his life. Colts are getting three on the road against that fraud Hackett and that washed up bum Russell Wilson. I'm interested to see that game. Should be interesting. And then lastly, uh, an SEC West matchup. We saw Mississippi State do what they did to Texas A&M. We saw Arkansas come all the way back against Bama only to get throttled at the end. Arkansas goes to Starkville um, and they're getting sick. So inside a touchdown, we don't really know what either one of these teams are. They've kind of flirted with being good, but what's that second-tier team in the SEC West? Um, I think we're going to find out on Saturday. That rounds out the mix and match six-pack, but you talk about Russell Wilson uh, looking at that Denver game. 
Then you talk about Indianapolis. Apparently Jim Ursay not happy with Ballard, not happy with Frank Reich. Seat's getting warm, but I don't think we've talked about it yet, and, and we don't have to go, go in depth, but watching Russell Wilson, I mean, first of all, one, is that guy washed, and two, how thankful should we be, you know, that Howie didn't, didn't empty the cupboard to bring that guy in because what if we had done that? There were a lot of Eagles fans clamoring for Russell Wilson in the offseason. You know, they gave up a bunch of picks, a couple, two or three firsts at least, uh, a couple players, a couple more picks. I mean, if we had done that and, and then he came into Philly and played like the bum that he's playing like in Denver, I mean, I feel like all hell would have broken loose by now. I just – that's why you got to thank your lucky stars that our general manager is Howie Roseman. I mean, the guy, first of all, in, in some ways you could probably compare Hertz as like a younger, cheaper version of Wilson, just with his escapability. Probably doesn't have quite the arm um, at their peak, but Howie basically said, yeah, we'll take, we'll take a younger Wilson and also hedge our bets uh, and save save our first-round picks. So if they have to go in another direction, they can go get another guy uh, this offseason. So, um, and by the way, I'm not this guy. Uh, I'm not the guy who's going to sit here and talk about draft position. Oh, and- my God. I can't believe those people – I can't believe these people are out there right now. The Eagles are four and zero atop the NFL, and they hold the third, the first, or the third and the thirty second pick in the twenty three NFL draft. Can we just I mean, can we just kid. wait? Can we just fucking wait and, and enjoy this season and try try to win something? Try to make a playoff run. It didn't strike me in real time, but when when uh, Lutz missed that kick in in London, the double doink from sixty one, and then I logged on and saw the the draft position, I, I said, "Wow, oh my!" If ha- Dude, what if Howie pulls off the number one pick after Super Bowl? Oh my God! We'll have to get you an extra pair of shorts. But I just I can't fucking believe it. <laughs> I can't I can't fucking believe that this is what what people are writing about already. Pick swappers, man. Yeah, they eat it up. They they certainly eat it up. Uh, but yeah, you you spotted another fraud fest. Uh, we we didn't talk about the one last night. The Rams and the Forty ers The Forty ers Went twenty four to nine. Just, I ha- I have to beat the dead horse. Is how does McVay and Stafford win a Super Bowl? It's disgusting. Um, and they talk about these coaches, the McVays, the Shanahan's, the great offensive minds. Going into the game, the total is forty two and a half, and it's the Rams' yeah. defense isn't isn't the same as it was last year. I think the Forty ers defense is, is pretty good, um, but for these great offensive minds to put up. 33 points, seven of which came on a Matthew bum-ass Stafford pick six at the end of the game. And, and the total is 42 and a half. I, that says a lot about what Vegas thinks of these guys, but the, all the talking heads, all these, the, the, this new wave of young coaching talent in the NFL and the O'Connells it, it, with Minnesota now and everything, it, it, it just disgusts me. It really does. And and you know what? People people talk about it because they all come from the same tree. Where, where's the love for our guy, Nick Sirianni? Because he's doing a hell of a job. Well, Doug. I mean, Doug went – Doug has – I don't – to my knowledge, I don't think Doug has ever lost to Sean McVay. Um, I'm fair and, – and I think one of those wins, obviously, was a double-digit dog on the road win. The year they won the Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure McVay won Coach of the Year. I mean, how how big of a fraud fest is that? You go 13 to three, your quarterback is down, you clinch the one seed, 
with with your backup and you don't win coach of the year. What a fucking joke that is. And look at how Jared Goff is doing in uh in year two with yeah, Detroit. Better. It's better. He's a he's better than Matthew Stafford. They had you believe that Jared Goff like w- wouldn't be able to complete a pass here for C B West. But no, they got Stafford who, who dinks and dunks, you know, twenty targets to Cooper Cup, you know, for, for six yards a catch. Uh and, and it's apparently the greatest duo since Steve Young and Jerry Rice. Dude, it's fucking disgusting. And before last night, like I even heard people talking about, you know, the Eagles and the three and O start before this whole week transpired, uh, talking about contenders in the NFC. And people had the audacity to say, Yeah, well, the Eagles are doing good and you got you got the Bucks and Green Bay, but the Rams are in a class of their own. Yeah, what class what class is that? I think they've got a different a different length bust than than the than the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, I told you this before we started recording, but I think it bears um, or it warrants repeating. It used to be that you would turn on the Eagles, particularly like when Wentz was the quarterback, and you you would watch the game and it would be so bad. The offense would look disjointed. You know, the team looked dysfunctional. The concepts looked stale. They looked broken. Um, The routes looked bad. And then you would turn on like Green Bay in the four o'clock time slot, and you look at that, and you'd be like, "Oh my God, this is what like a real offense with a real quarterback looks like." And I have to tell you, G, watching the Eagles, watching Jalen Hurts, watching what Shane Steichen and Sirianni are cooking up, um, it's almost like the inversion of that. I watch the Eagles, and I think to myself, "Holy shit!" Like. This team can't be stopped. They're, they can they can win on the on the on the ground. They can win in the air. They can throw it to their tight end. They can throw it to their number two receiver, the number one. Like anybody can be the focal point in the offense. And then you turn on the four o'clock game, the game of the week with Burkhardt and Greg Olson, or you turn on the Monday night game, which is supposedly the marquee matchup. And really, other than the Chiefs this week. I haven't been impressed by anybody. I mean, the Eagles are the class of the NFL at this moment. It's a beautiful thing, man. The, the times are changing, and it seems to be for the better. But I think we'll leave it at that, right? You got anything else tonight? That's all I got. Let's go, Phils. Let's go, Phils. Let's go, Birds. A lot of meat on this bone this week. We left it all out there. Uh, Yeah, once again, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next week.